Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thank you, Marie, for that wonderful introduction, and thank you to your podcast listeners for uh, tuning in. I don't know how they tune in. I mean, who's done that anymore, Rick? You just so, dated yourself, I sure man. did. I sure, sure did. <laughs> anyway, Rick, fantastic message this past Sunday, and so we encourage you, audience, to go check out the brand new series that Rick has started on freedom, and this week was on Don't Mess With the Gospel, uh, the importance of not messing, either adding or subtracting from the gospel. Another, another way of looking at this is that the gospel is perfect and that you do violence to the truth and dishonor God by suggesting anything else. So, I mean, is the gospel perfect? Haven't, haven't we needed to improve on it since its introduction? Uh, don't mess with the gospel. Don't mess with perfection. Uh, the gospel truly is perfection. It is God's solution to humanity, to humanity's dilemma yeah. of sin. Yes. Now, you know when you when you really get into this, you know, you know, hey, don't we need to improve it? That kind of thing. What what happens, Sean, is the real problem with humanity begins to show, mm-hmm. and that is pride. What it, pride always says, hey, we can make it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can improve it to fit our postmodern culture. You know, mm-hmm. things are different now. And so we need to adjust and adapt the gospel to fit the culture. And of course, the secular culture has a huge aversion to absolute truth. Mm -hmm. That is just a four-letter word for them. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. And the Bible says, no, the gospel is absolute truth. And that's why I entitled the message, Don't Mess with the Gospel. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It really is a bold statement uh, that our founder, the Lord Jesus Christ, would give any indication that, that it, would, it would need help. And, and, of course, it doesn't, right? So, you know, the, the way that, that Paul framed it was that there were counterfeits. And you brought this very clear to us in uh, the message that there are counterfeits to the gospel. Um, who has the most to gain from presenting a counterfeit gospel and why? Yeah, proud people. When you really get down to it, it's proud people who have the most to gain with a counterfeit and the most to lose with the gospel, and here's why. Hmm. The gospel, the gospel message, the good news begins with bad news. And Hmm. it says, all people are sinners. No one can merit their salvation. Well, Sean, that is a slap in the face to a proud person. Mm -hmm. A proud person says, oh, listen, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Nobody's going to save me. I'm going to do it bootstrap operation Mm. and the gospel is a very humbling humiliating Mm. gospel because it says oh no uh, there are no people who can make it on their own yeah and the the proud people don't like the gospel yeah yeah you know i i wonder sometimes if, if when god made the universe and when i mean the universe i mean the whole universe and and when i think about how how unimaginably huge it is and here we are we're just this little speck of of dirt and water floating around uh, not even the largest sun or or star in the universe and why would would we have the uh, the gall of saying no i can do things by myself thank you very much 
who are we, you know? And so I, I think it's amazing. Well, so there was a serious threat to the purity or the integrity of the gospel from the beginning. I mean, Paul was surprised by the ease of the Galatians' begotment. I mean, should that be maybe a warning for the rest of us? Oh, yeah. I mean, Paul was very clear then, you know, who has beguiled you, he will say yeah. in, in Galatians. Why are you so quickly deserting the gospel? Mm -hmm. And again, Sean, pride is that culprit. There will, there will always be with people this slippery slope toward performance-based religion. Mm. There's just something in all of us that says, uh, I want to do it myself. I want to do it my way, not mm. God's way. And you know, you know, for the audience, uh, be aware, Sean and I, we do a lot of funerals. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of funerals for Christians and non-Christians. And the typical American funeral especially non-Christian, when people get up to do the eulogy, it will always, the wording will change, but the message will always be the same. You know, Frank or Susie, they're going to be in heaven because they were such a good person. Mm -hmm. A good person. Now, I'm not knocking good people. I right. love, I wish more people were good. I want to be a good person. Mm -hmm. But good will not get you to heaven. Right. But that's the typical misunderstanding of the typical American is the way you get to heaven is by being a good person. Mm. And that lends itself again to the culprit of pride. Mm. So you're saying that a Christian uh, or a, a disciple, someone that's saved, it's, is not someone that's just trying really hard to be a good person. You will never be good enough, right enough, or religious enough to get to heaven wow. because you are not that good. You cannot be that good. And again, we're cheating because when we get to chapters three and four of Galatians, <laughs> the apostle Paul gets out his nail bag and a big hammer and he drives it home. Yeah, We're yeah. gonna see it when we get there. Wow, wow, so audience, make sure that you, you stay with us in this, this fantastic series. But uh, you know, Rick, we're, I know that we're very serious about proclaiming the free offering of grace, that, that God's forgiveness, uh, our reconciliation, our adoptions, it, it, our adoption, it's a gift that we can't earn. We can't be good enough. We can't, as another author, author put it, we can't manage our sin so that it looks just, just right in the right light. It doesn't work that way. Uh, not one subatomic particle's worth, right? We can't earn anything. But discipleship, coming under Jesus' teaching, his training, his reforming, that actually does come with some effort. Um, as one author put it, God is not, he's opposed to earning, but he's not opposed to effort. Why is it important not to confuse the two things? Yeah, because the, the whole discipleship question to me, Sean, revolves around one word, why? Why do we want to be disciples? Mm. Why do I want to obey? Why do I want to serve? <clears throat> why do I want to love? It's all motivation. The proper motivation is out of gratitude for what Christ has done, not me meriting something that I don't yet have. Mm. That's why Scripture is so clear that salvation is a gift given to the person who has faith. Mm. You, the minute you try to pay for a gift, it no longer becomes a gift. It, yeah. it's, it's going to be a wage. You know, I, the example that I use all the time with people who don't understand this is you just think about a tree. A tree has a root system and then it produces fruit. So you have an apple tree. Now, what makes that apple tree alive? Is it the fruit? No, the fruit is the byproduct 
of the root system that keeps the tree alive. Mm -hmm. So the root system is salvation by grace through faith. The good works, the discipleship, well, that's the fruit that grows on a tree. Mm. The fruit doesn't make the tree alive. The alive tree produces the fruit. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Well, you made mention of a, a trick that the U.S. Treasury agents uh, make to help them spot counterfeits. Uh, what was that trick that they used? Yeah, I read this years ago, and it just surprised me. I'll never forget. I always thought, you know, the way they would train their treasury uh, agents yeah. and how to spot counterfeit is they would show them counterfeit money, all different shapes, sizes, the exact opposite. They said they put them in a room full of real money. <laughs> and all day long, they handle the real thing. You know, $1 bills, fives, twenties, hundreds. All day long, they're handling the real thing. And they've learned that when someone identifies authentic, genuine money, mm. that the minute you try to slip a counterfeit, they can spot it a mile yeah. away. And that's what Paul is doing in Galatians. He is presenting the true, genuine, authentic gospel and he does it over and over and over again. He gives from different directions, different illustrations, different examples. But his goal is by the end of Galatians, you will be so well acquainted with the real thing mm. that you will be able to spot a counterfeit a mile away. All right. Well, what about pastors? I mean, aren't, aren't they trained to spot these things? Why should the average disciple keep growing in their knowledge of the authentic gospel? Well, boy, this is a dark dark situation in America because tragically some pastors out there are the perpetrators. Oh, And, and I even mentioned it Sunday morning mm -hmm. that some pastors, they're trained in theologically liberal seminaries mm -hmm. and these liberal seminaries are kicking out liberal pastors who do not believe the gospel. Yeah, They don't believe that there's a real hell. They believe if there is a heaven, everybody's going to go there. And they're pretty much into the good works. Be a good person. Serve your, love your neighbor and serve your fellow human being. And tragically, pastors in America, not all, thank God. Yeah. But tragically, many are every Sunday morning, they are perpetuating the lie that the gospel is not necessary. Mm. This is why, you know, the Apostle Paul in, in another place said, Two words, test everything. Yeah. Test everything. John, when people hear me on Sunday morning, I don't want them to just gobble it down and walk out and say, well, that was gospel truth. They need to check me against Scripture. Yeah. They need to check our podcast against Scripture. Listen to us and say, okay, does it line up with Scripture? Yes wow. or no? That's a big, big question we all are responsible for. Yeah. I am responsible for testing everything that I hear. Boy, that, 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 that's quite a challenge there, that you're, you're actually inviting people to say, hey, I dare you, go ahead, open up your Bible and, and check out what I'm saying. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, if people don't test me, how am <clears> I going to grow? <laughs> you know, if they don't hold me accountable and yeah. make me go, hmm, maybe I better back up and read that chapter again. Maybe I got something wrong. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me think about this whole counterfeiting idea that... that I was looking this up, that counterfeiting, is a, it's a big deal. Oh, huge. According to the U.S. Code. I mean, it's it's a Class C felony, punishable for up to 12 years in, uh, in prison, or and or a fine of a quarter million dollars. 
But that's small potatoes compared to God's punishment, isn't it? In the text we looked at this week, Paul used a, a very famous Greek word, anathema. Yeah. And anathema means let him be accursed. Mm. One translation says let him be eternally condemned. Yeah. That's what the word anathema means. And yeah. Paul is saying for these individuals who are promoting a false gospel, let them be accursed. Let them be eternally condemned. You don't think Paul was serious? Mm. Now, it broke his heart to say that, but it was not in some kind of... Uh, a gloating way, right? Uh, no, Paul. Paul never gloated over false teaching. He wanted false teachers to repent and turn, right. but he wanted to make sure people didn't go down that path because he knew if you go down the path of a false gospel, eternal condemnation is at the end of that path. Yeah, and this, and again, this is this is a serious break from the the teaching of Jesus uh, that that these other people were doing. Uh, so this is not like, well, you know, I think Jesus is going to come uh, before the Great Tribulation. You know, the, no. we're, we're not talking about little things like that. We're, we're talking about something huge. Yeah, specifically in Paul's day in the, in the church in Galatia, there were false teachers who were saying that faith in Jesus is not enough. So that's a big deal. They were saying, it, you, you have, if you're a Gentile, you also have to come in through the Jewish door to the church, and that is you have to be circumcised, you have to obey the law of Moses, which included all the feast days, all the, the kosher food. Well, Gentiles weren't required to do any of this for salvation. Mm. So that's why Paul was so ticked off and steamed about this, is this was not some peripheral idea. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like you say, it wasn't some oh, do you believe Jesus is going to come back at this point or that? No, no, no. This was a major theological attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. The, the term Paul will use as we really get into the next chapter, he says, the truth of the gospel was at stake. Wow, wow. Paul, Paul went to great length to discuss his own initial hatred of the gospel. I find that interesting that, that he put this little biographical tidbit in there. Do you think he was just trying to prove that he was a, a satisfied customer? What, what was the big deal there? I would say more than that. More than that. He does. He, he tells the story of his conversion mm -hmm. and how he basically, Sean, went from killing Christians for a living. Mm -hmm. And he quite literally would go into communities and with the authority of the Jewish Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, he would arrest people imprison people and have people killed. Mm -hmm. So he, he killed Christians for a living. I believe that he tells his story at this point in the letter to the Galatians to show that uh, his conversion was proof positive that no one, Sean, no one was too far gone. Wow. Paul was saying, listen, if God can save me, mm -hmm. who I hated the gospel, I hated Christians, I yeah. killed them, if he can turn me around, then who do you think you are that you're saying, oh, I'm too far gone? Mm. And Sean, we, we see people all the time who, who say, you know, I've made a wreck of my life. I've made too many mistakes. I've paid too much stupid tax. I've hurt too many people. God can save everybody else, but God could never forgive someone like me. <laughs> the Apostle Paul would be in the back of the room raising his hand and say, you're wrong. Yeah. If he can save me, 
He can save you. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, hey, buddy, get in line. Yeah. There's a lot of us like that. Yeah. So, in fact, you know, you're not even the worst. Yeah. Then I like I like to think of it, you know, the people say, you know, I'm in the bottom of the barrel. If you're in the bottom of the barrel, look down and you'll find Paul. Yeah. He's underneath your feet. <laughs> what an amazing transformation that God did in his life mm. as well. Rick, you wrapped up your message with, with an opportunity to receive the grace of God freely. Just in case someone's listening today and, and thinks that they have gone too far, that they've sinned too much, they're, they're too far removed, how do we receive God's free gift of salvation? Now, let me mention two things. Uh, first of all, the, the, uh, the way I ended Sunday morning, I said the gospel of Jesus is so... It's profound, and yet it is simple, so much so that a child can understand it. Yeah. If you can understand ABC, you can understand the gospel. A is a, admit. You admit that you realize you're a sinner, that you need a Savior. Mm. The B is believe. You believe that Jesus is that Savior, that he came, he died on the cross to pay for your sin, to pick up the tab you owed. And then C is confess. Confess simply means you agree with, you agree with God. And so God says, hey, you're a sinner and Jesus is your Savior. C simply says, I agree. God, you're right. Mm. You're right. And you confess that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. Yeah. The, the second thing I would offer to our audience, if you want to go a little bit deeper, maybe you have questions about this, or maybe, maybe you kind of grew up in a legalistic background and you mm. thought it was kind of a... You know, this 80-20 deal that you work with God, God pays for 80% with, with Jesus, and you pay for 20% with your good works. <laughs> you, if, if this grace thing is a little bit challenging, I want you to go to our webpage, roswellgrace.com, mm. and there's a drop-down called Next Steps. Mm -hmm. I want you to click on Next Steps, and there's a line that says, Know Jesus. Mm. Now, if you will go to roswellgrace.com, Next Steps, know Jesus, it will walk you through step by step, I believe, a very powerful and a very beautiful journey on how you can get from where you are right now to understanding how to put your faith in Jesus. Rick, I was uh, nine years old, uh, and I realized, and I hadn't done, you know, a lot of, I didn't have a lot of chance to do a lot of sinning, but it didn't matter because I was at the root. I was still a sinner, and I knew I needed a Savior. Um, and it was Dolores Lunsford that, that told me just that story, that I needed to receive this gift of salvation. And I knelt on the floor and asked, my, asked Jesus to come into my life. How did, how did you come to Christ, Rick? Yeah, I was 12 years old. 12? And I was at a, I'll never forget it, I was at a big youth rally, and uh, it, this was a, in, in West Texas and it was a white church <laughs> and they had invited an, Af an old, old African-American um, evangelist to come. And I'm telling you, he turned up the heat wow. in the room. But he explained in very beautiful words how Jesus came and died on the cross for my sins and that I could be saved. And, I, you know, when, and he he said, we're all going to stand, we're going to sing a song, and if you want to come and give your life to Christ, and they even had the baptism ready, and uh, they, he said, come on down, and you could accept Jesus, you can be baptized right now. I'm telling you, Sean, when I stood up, I don't know who grabbed my feet, 
<laughs> but something grabbed my feet and got me down on the front row. Wow. Yeah. And they took uh, us to the back, and we got changed. I'll never forget, I was coming out of, the, out of the changing room. My dad was there, and our church allowed the parents to baptize their children. Yeah. Which we do here at Grace as well. Mm-hmm. That's where it came from, my own experience. And yeah. My dad said, I want to I be with my, with my boys when they're born, when they're baptized, and when they get married. And he said, will you let me baptize you? And I said, oh, absolutely. Wow. And so my dad baptized me. Sean, to this day, I have no idea who it was. Somebody was standing at the landing of the baptistry and took my picture coming up out of the water. I still have it yeah. in my scrapbook. I've seen that picture. It's I've seen that one. picture. That's a beautiful picture. So audience, you you just got to know. I like the way you put that. Someone grabbed your feet because I, I felt the same way. Yeah. I felt there was something pulling me. And I knew it was the right thing to do, but but uh, audience, maybe you're you're feeling that today. And it's it's so simple, as Rick just explained. You can go to our website, but uh, you know I would encourage them also give us a call. Let us know. Let us help you grow. We'd love to send you. Doesn't matter where you are, anywhere in the. I, I don't really have the, the permission, but I'm just going to take it. Okay, uh, anywhere you are in the world, we will send you materials that'll help you to grow. Uh, in your walk with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So. We, we'll fund that we'll. any day of the week, Sean. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, Rick, thanks so much for sharing that message. And uh, audience, stay through the entire series. You're going to really enjoy it. And you're going to grow from it. It's very important. Well, Rick, as you know, we've come to that really, really important time uh, of our podcast. And it's time for Rick's Quote of the Week. Okay, Rick, what do you got for us? A gentleman by the name of Wendell Phillips, in 1852, he was speaking at a Massachusetts anti-slavery meeting. And of course, in his context, they were speaking of freedom, like freeing the slaves. But as I read this quote, I couldn't help but think of the spiritual application of of what the Apostle Paul was doing in defending the gospel and defending freedom. But Wendell Phillips says, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Hmm. Now think about that. Eternal vigilance. The word that grabbed me was the word eternal. Hmm. Here, Paul was vigilant in defending liberty. Here we are 2,000 years ago, Sean, and what yeah. are we doing in the Galatian series? We're being eternally vigilant. That's the price yeah. of liberty. Wow, wow, that's fantastic. All right. Well, what else is happening here at Grace? Week number three, speaking of freedom, is coming. Very excited about Sunday's message. And it's really on how to maintain Christian unity. Paul is going to describe a moment when he was in Galatia and the Apostle Peter was in Galatia. Uh And they butted heads. And Paul had to correct Peter. And Paul was right. Peter was wrong. But in in that message... And in that conflict, really, we learned the secret of what, is it, what does it take to maintain Christian unity mm. in the church. So I'm very excited about that. I want to invite people to come Sunday morning. If yeah. they can't, uh, go online and see it. Yeah. Also, don't forget, folks, Sunday is Father's, Father's Day. Day. Uh, Sean <laughs> and I are fathers, and we're expecting big gifts. Amen to that. Big gifts from our children. <laughs> No, seriously out there, don't forget to say a big thank you to dads. You know, we we tend to do it really well with our Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes 
dads get second place. Yeah. But uh, let's let's crank it up. Let, yeah. Let's crank up the volume this year and really say a big thank you to our dads. Yeah. And they're not perfect. That's I, I, right. You know, I'm not perfect, Sean. You're not a perfect oh dad. My. my goodness, we made plenty of mistakes. <laughs> but um, show your dad some grace. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're talking about grace mm-hmm. in Galatians. Uh, give a little, give a little grace. Cut your dad a little slack, and make sure you call him, write him, send him a funny card. I always love it when my kids send me funny Father's Day cards. Yeah. I always need a chuckle. So Father's Day this Sunday, don't forget. That's fantastic. And if for nothing else, you have a heavenly Father, and what a better, what better way to celebrate Father's Day than getting to church? Amen. Amen. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.